watch every year. In fact, we just watched it Friday evening with our grandkids. And it may be actually Laura's favorite Christmas movie to watch. And it's not because of those tender moments like you just saw. It's probably Laura's favorite Christmas movie for this kind of stuff. Watch this. There you go. You guys pray for me. Laura may not be very high in the mercy gift. She loves to watch stuff like that. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was helping decorate a tree at home, and I was on a little stepladder, and I hadn't set it up very well. I ended up falling over on the floor. She thought that was absolutely hilarious, right? <laughs> so when Laura watches something like Home Alone, you know, she's thinking funny, but maybe when you hear the movie title Home Alone, it's just a reminder that you're heading into another depressing Christmas, and in your mind, it's a time when everybody else is going to be smiling, everybody else is going to be happy, everybody else is going to be joining all of their family and friends. That's not the case with you. It's as Trace just saying, my baby's gone, I got no friends, right? So as you're going into the holiday, you're thinking about isolation, you're thinking about loneliness, and it stinks to be lonely. It stinks to be lonely. It, stink, it stinks to be home alone, especially at Christmas. But you know what's interesting? When you, when you think about the Christmas story, loneliness is nothing new to the Christmas story. In fact, just think about it. For example, Mary was all alone when the angel Gabriel appeared to her and informed her that she was highly favored among women and that she was going to become pregnant, hello, by the Holy Spirit. How about that? And she's going to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah. She's going to give birth to the Son of God. I mean, how would you like to be a young teenage Jewish girl, probably 13, 14 years old, and receive that news in the middle of the night all by yourself? Joseph was all alone when the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said, Joseph, you and I both know, you and I both know that this baby that Mary is carrying is not yours, Joseph. But I want you to follow through on your commitment to marry her. And Joseph and Mary, when they made their way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, I'm sure the roads were crowded on that journey as everybody was going back to their hometown to register. But I guarantee you they felt like they were all alone on that 90-mile, five-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And when they finally got to Bethlehem, Mary all alone gave birth to her baby. By the way, can you imagine how Mary must have felt As I said, she's a frightened teenage girl. She's probably about 13, maybe 14 years old. She's never known a man. She's never been intimate with a man. But here she is in a stable because there's no room for them in the end, right? Giving birth to the Son of God. And I take it as you read the story that she went through the whole ordeal all alone, all by herself. She alone cut the cord. Can you imagine? She alone cleaned the baby up. She alone wrapped him in the cloth she had brought with her. And she alone laid him in a manger. But see, that's how God chose to deliver his gift to us that first Christmas. And maybe you've never thought about it this way, but when God gave us that gift that first Christmas, when God gave us a savior, he really gave us a cure for our loneliness. I mean, understand that when Mary gave birth to this baby, this was no ordinary baby. In fact, this is how the prophet Isaiah described this baby in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And let me ask you a question. Does that sound like your basic, ordinary, garden variety, baby? Mm-mm. What Isaiah just described for us is a full-service God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That was God's gift to us that first Christmas. But what's interesting is when it comes to accepting a gift from God, it's one thing to accept a gift from other people, right? But when it comes to accepting a gift of God, I think there's a tension that we all seem to struggle with at one time or another. And that's especially true at Christmas because understand that is the message of Christmas. The message is once upon a time, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away, God offered the human race an opportunity to be in a relationship with him. 
And that gift that he offers us costs us absolutely nothing. All we have to do is accept it. But even though every one of us listening this weekend, regardless of where you are, we all know the Christmas story. It's interesting that when it comes to the real message of the Christmas story, we just can't seem to get our arms around it for some reason. And I say that because every year Christmas comes and goes. Every year we're reminded of the gift that God gave us that first Christmas. But it's interesting, as soon as Christmas is over, we go right back to thinking, yeah, there's a good God out there somewhere and he's looking for good people. So I gotta try to be really, really good. I gotta try to be the best person I can be so that somehow maybe I can connect with God. And by connecting with God, if I'm good enough, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he'll love me. But I wanna tell you, if that's how you think when it comes to Christmas, you will once again miss the message. But more importantly, you will miss the life-changing power of Christmas. So I want us to go back and I want us to look at the Christmas story this weekend. And let's just see if we can get it right this year. We'll pick up the story if you have your Bible, Luke chapter two, beginning in verse one. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put the verses on the screen. It's familiar, you've heard it before. Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they were terrified, right? I mean, if you're out at Jordan Lake camping out, and you're just kind of sitting there staring up at the stars, and all of a sudden the skies open up, and angels appear, and you start glowing. See, the, we always think the angels are glowing. Every Christmas pageant, you see the angels glowing. No, it's the, all of a sudden the shepherds are looking at each other like, Earl, you're glowing. You are too, Frank. So they're glowing. Naturally, you're going to be scared to death, right? But you notice the angel said to them, do not be afraid because I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the good people. All the really good people. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say all the Christian people, the holy people, the church people. Doesn't say all the Baptist people. And this is what's so amazing about this story. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Which means that this good news has nothing to do with anything that anyone has done. In fact, this good news is in spite of everything that all of us have done. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, not a helper, not a life coach, not a financial advisor, a savior. In other words, a deliverer, a rescuer has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. In other words, God gets all the glory for what's about to happen. And what do we get? Verse 14, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So understand, God gets the glory and we get the peace. In other words, this Christmas gift, what it means is this, we get the peace of knowing that when we screw up, when we mess up, when we blow it, God is still going to love us. God's favor is still going to rest on us. And I gotta tell you, this is so important because until you can embrace the real message of Christmas, 
Are you listening to me? Until you can embrace the real message of Christmas, you will never have peace in your life. Sure, when you're doing okay and you think maybe that God is happy with you, you may have a little bit of peace, but you won't have any assurance that you're doing okay with God. But I'm telling you, when you blow it, when you have those bad days as a spouse, as a parent, as a coworker, as a friend, as a neighbor, when you have those bad days and you're ashamed, and haven't we all had those days? Even as Christians, don't you have those times in your life you pray to God, no one ever discovers, no one ever finds out about. When you have those days and you have the, see, I'm telling you, even as a Christian, if you're not careful, there's no peace and no assurance. But the angel's message to the shepherd was this, that system's history. It's no longer about earning something. It's no longer about deserving something. It's no longer about paying for something or trying to keep a bunch of rules. The, this, the good news for all men is that you can have peace. You get all the peace, God gets all the credit because this first Christmas, God is going to give you a gift that no one has ever, ever offered you before. That's the message of Christmas. And it's great news. I mean, think about it. If there really is, if there really truly is a God in heaven who is willing to say, you can have a relationship with me. But in order for you to have a relationship with me, I'm gonna have to forgive you of everything you've ever done. In fact, for you to have a relationship with me, I'm gonna go ahead and forgive you of everything that you are ever going to do. In other words, this relationship that we're gonna have isn't gonna be based on whether or not you're good enough to be in a relationship with me. It's not gonna be based on whether or not you, des you deserve to be in a relationship with me. God is willing to forgive us immediately and he is willing to give us unconditionally so that we can have a relationship with him. And on top of the forgiveness of all of our sins on top of a relationship he's also willing to give us eternal life with him and all we have to do all we have to do is accept the gift all we have to do is receive the gift that he's given us I mean if that is true see that's not just good news that's really 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 good news and I know I'm naive Laura tells me I'm naive all the time but I don't understand why everybody, after hearing this good news, I don't understand why everybody doesn't want to become a Christian. After all, I can just promise you this. You are never, ever in this lifetime going to get a better offer. I mean, you just go out and you just study the other world religions. All the other world religions basically come down to this. I'm going to do the best I can, and I hope I make it. I'm going to do the best I can. And I hope between me and God, everything works out. Everything's going to be okay, but there is no guarantee. But then Christianity comes along and God says, listen, I want to forgive you of all your sins and I guarantee you eternal life with me when you die. Amen. Now let me ask you a question. When you hear that, aren't you at least a little bit curious? I mean, don't you at least want to check it out? And I realize, hey, I'm biased because, you know, over the years I've seen God do some incredible things. I've seen couples get married and turn on one another and hate each other so much, despise each other so much that that marriage ended in divorce. And then I've seen God go to work in their hearts as a divorced couple, and I've actually performed their marriage ceremony as they got married for the second time. See, I've seen God do things like that. I've seen God bring prodigal children home. I've seen God break the power of addiction over individuals' lives. So I realize I've seen so much, I'm just biased. But I don't understand why everybody wouldn't want to at least consider Christianity and check it out. Because if it is true, if it is true, there is no better offer. If it is true, it does not get any better than this. I mean, this isn't just good news. This is great news. And for the life of me, 
Again, I'm naive. I can't figure out why anybody would not want this gift. I mean, don't you ever feel that way? Don't you ever feel like there's something that you love so much, you embrace so much, you can't figure out why everybody doesn't love it as much as you love it? I mean, I was in the coffee shop one day and, and I, was, I was getting a cup of coffee and somebody said to me, he said, I don't like coffee. I don't know how you drink that stuff. And I'm like, you don't like coffee? See, there's serious coffee, then there's fun coffee. See, when I get up in the morning, black. Couple of coffee, cups of black coffee early in the morning. You don't like that buzz? You don't like the energy it gives you, right? But I'm thinking, you just haven't let me make coffee for you. Because when I come to the church coffee shop, I'm telling you, you add enough cream and sugar and cinnamon and chocolate, you can make coffee like, taste like a donut. And everybody loves donuts, right? Right? You do? Good. You should be in Kid City, not be talking back to me this morning. Or security. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Laura has a women's Bible study at our house. And the first night of the Bible study, a lady arrived. The first lady arrived. I was in the kitchen doing something. She came and she says, Pastor Mike, you have a beautiful home. I said, thank you. Next thing out of her mouth. So where's your dog? Excuse me? Where's your dog? I, said, I ain't got a dog. You don't have a dog? I said, no. Why? I don't like them. They make your house smell funny. They leave hair all over the place. They scratch your hardwood floors. When they go outside, they eat the railings on the porch. You know, they mess up your lawn. I, she was like, I just can't believe you don't have a dog. I said, does that bother you? She says, no, I just assume you would have a dog. I mean, don't you feel that way sometimes? There are just some things you're so into, you don't understand why everybody else doesn't embrace it. In the same way, I don't understand for the life of me why everybody in the world wouldn't want to be a Christian or at least check it out. Because again, if this is true, there is no better offer. I mean, if God really did give us Jesus so that he could die one day on a cross, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled back into a relationship with him, so that we could have eternal life with him, seriously, top that. Top that. But see, that's if you're looking at it from my perspective. And I realize there are some other perspectives, and I think there are some reasons that some of you are still holding out. In fact, I think I can basically boil it down to three reasons why you have reservations about accepting the gift of salvation and becoming a follower of Jesus. The first one I'd say is probably bad explanations. I mean, you've had people sit down with you and try to explain to you what it means to be a Christian and how, how you become a Christian, and it's just so confusing. You ever had that happen? Maybe your friend invited you to Starbucks, and they set you up, and you said, I just want you to listen one time. And so they're going to explain to you Christianity. And they, you know, they start in the book of Genesis. You know, Adam was the first Adam. Jesus was the second Adam. You're an Adam until you're in Christ. Then you're not an Adam anymore, right? And then they just keep going right on through, right? They get up to Genesis chapter 9. They start talking about a flood. And there's some guy named Noah that put animals on an ark. And all you can think about is Dr. Doolittle, maybe with a flute and leading animals onto a boat. And it doesn't make any sense to you. And you get Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all these things about sacrifices and blood. And you're like, Peter cannot be happy with that, right? And then you got the prophets talking about what's going to happen. And Jesus finally does come. And he lives a perfect life. And he's died. And he's buried. And he's put in a tomb. Three days later, he comes back to life. After about 50 days, he ascends back to heaven. And you're like, yeah, but he's going to come back one day. You don't want to be here when he comes back. Because there's this thing called the tribulation. There's going to be a beast. Some whore from Babylon is going to show up. I mean, there's seven seals going, arr, 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 and you're like. 
what you're talking about, right? Right? And if it's not clearly explained, I mean, what it means to be a Christian, why would you want to be one? Why would you want to take that risk? See, why would you want to take that step of faith? Another reason is bad examples of Christians. I mean, let's be honest. For some of you, the biggest roadblock to you becoming a Christian is that you just know too many Christians. And you watch them and you're thinking, I'm already a better person than they are. See? Why would I want to adopt a belief system that's going to make me like them? I'm already ahead of them. I don't even know what I believe and I'm already a better person. I'm already a better spouse, better employee. I'm already a better parent than they are. Or maybe you have a business and you did some work for some Christians. So you pulled up in front of their house, fish on the back of every car. You know, you go in, Michael W. Smith, if you're old, you know who that is, playing over the Christian sound system, right? Some real good cheesy worship music there. Bibles and Christian books laying all over the house. You did the work for them. You're still waiting to get paid, right? And so you're thinking, why would I want to be like them? I'm already more honest. I'm already more ethical than they are, right? So there are bad examples. I think the third one is bad experiences. You know, maybe, maybe it was with the church. Maybe you grew up in a church that was very legalistic and, and very much on rules. And maybe while you were growing up, your mom and dad got a divorce and maybe they got kicked out of the church or ostracized. And, and it was just such a negative experience for your family to go through it. And you just see Christians as judgmental and you kind of like, man, I will never go to a church again, right? But maybe one of those reasons would explain why you're not a Christian. But here's the deal. You may have all of those reasons, but the problem isn't the amazing life-changing message of Christianity. The problem is bad examples, bad explanations, bad experiences. So my prayer for you this Christmas is very simple. It is, it is that you will find it within yourself to acknowledge this whole Christianity thing, this being in a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. Maybe there's more to this than I've heard explained. Maybe there's more to this than I've seen lived out. Maybe there's more to this than I've experienced. And my prayer is that you will consider this amazing offer that is life-changing because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is good news for all people, and that includes you. Now, this spring, I'm going to be doing a series from the Gospel of John, and I always love to teach from John because, see, I feel like John, the disciple, had a unique perspective. And I say that because if you read the Gospel of John, John is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved, the beloved disciple. That means that he was incredibly close to Jesus. In fact, this is how close he was to Jesus. When Jesus was hanging on the cross during the crucifixion, right before he took his last breath, right before he died, he looked down at the base of the cross, and who did he see standing there? He saw his mom. He saw Mary. And who was standing beside her? John. And what did he say to John? John, take care of mom. That's how close John was to Jesus. You know what that tells me? That tells me that if anybody had the inside scoop about Jesus and his ministry and his life, it was John. And John's summary report of the Christmas story is recorded for us in maybe one of the most uh, known, maybe our favorite verse in all the Bible, John 3.16. This is what he says. For God so loved the world. And understand, when John wrote, for God so loved the world, he didn't mean that God loved the planet. He didn't mean that God loved the earth. He meant that God, the God of the universe, loves me. The God of the universe loves you. That's John's way of saying it's for all people. And because of that, God naturally did what people do when they love somebody. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. See, that's what you do when you love. You, you, you give. I mean, think about it. Over the next few days, you're going to give gifts to people you don't even like. Right? I mean, you're going to give your boss a gift because you want to stay in his good graces. 
And you've already bought some gifts. You don't even know who they're going to give, you're going to give them to yet. But see, last year there was a coworker or a neighbor who had a gift for you and you didn't have one for them. So you were embarrassed. So you're prepared this week. I mean, it's wrapped. You're ready to put their name on it in any moment and give it to them, right? You're, you're going to go to some kind of party or family shenanigans where you're going to have to draw a name. And you're like, I don't even like this person, but I, I got I to gotta buy them a gift, right? So we give, we give gifts for all kinds of reasons at Christmas, but for sure, you're going to buy gifts and you're going to give gifts to the people you love. You know why? Because when you love someone, you give. And John says, I know. <laughs> I know that God loves the world because he gave. Do you know what he gave? Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever works really, really hard Nope. So that whoever obeys all the do's, the don'ts, the rules, the lists, whoever prays enough, whoever gives enough, whoever attends church enough, nope, nope, nope. Verse 16, so that whoever believes in him. In other words, the way that you receive the gift of God's son is not by behaving. It's not by performing. It's by believing something. It's by trusting in something. And you trust in the fact that when God gave us the gift of Jesus that first Christmas, he was indeed the savior of the world. Verse 16, so that whoever believes or trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. By the way, do you know what eternal life is? It's not just that you get to go to heaven when you die. Eternal life is what connects you with the Father. Eternal life is, is getting back the life you lost because of sin. And it's not because you can earn it. It's not because you purchased it. It's a gift that God chose to give you because he chose to punish Jesus on your behalf. And I know what some of you are thinking because you're kind of part of that poinsettia lily crowd. You kind of come around Christmas and Easter. In fact, I saw a friend from the gym here last night and I looked at him as he walked in the door. I said, it's either Christmas or Easter, and I see a Christmas tree. And he said, you're right. But he comes back every year around this time, right? And you come back because you love the baby Jesus. Cuddly little warm baby Jesus. Nothing threatening about baby Jesus. And you're like, Mike, I'm here here about baby Jesus and mangers and shepherds and wise men. The stuff about Jesus dying on a cross, this is kind of a downer. It's kind of bringing me down. This is not making me joy to the worldish. You know, it's not making me want to sing jingle bells. Give me something that I would be excited about if I'm going to receive this free gift of salvation, if I receive this gift of a Savior that God gave me the first Christmas. Give me something to be excited about. Well, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Remember what he wrote? For to us a child is born. By the way, that's the baby in a manger. That's the shepherds. That's the journey to Bethlehem. To us, the son is given. That's, that's Jesus on the cross. He was given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Let me tell you something. It's hard to be a good counselor, much less a wonderful one. When my ADD, I got an attention span of about three minutes. And when people come to my office and they start but this way, I'm sorry, but this is going to take a while. And, you know. And when you come to my office, I have to sit with my back to the window because God created things like squirrels <laughs> and airplanes that fly right over, you know. And I have to focus on you. It is really, 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 really hard to be a good counselor. It's hard to listen patiently. It's hard to give wisdom for life. There are times that people come to my office and their lives are so messed up. They have screwed up so bad 
I don't even have a clue where to start. There are times I don't even know what to say. I'm sure this is making you want to, you want to come to me for counseling, right? Right? <laughs> but my point is this. Some of you are in a situation right now where you need wisdom. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it has to do with your finances. Maybe, maybe it's a health decision. Well, see, Isaiah the prophet says, a child is born, a son is given, and he wants to be a wonderful counselor for you. He'll listen. He'll never lose patience. He'll give you perfect advice, see. He won't be like your girlfriend when you complain about your husband. She says, I'd just leave him. I'd just kick him to the curb. I'd just get me a new one. No, he won't do that. He'll, he'll give you perfect advice. And then Isaiah notice says that when Jesus came to the world, he came to be a mighty God. And that's good news for some of you because let's be honest, you don't really need a baby in a manger. What you need more than anything else is a mighty God. I mean, maybe you're here this weekend or you're watching online and you have your single mom and you have small children. You got to raise them. You got to support them all by yourself. You got to get them up every morning. You got to feed them breakfast, get them dressed. You got to get them to school. You got to pick them up at the babysitter or childcare afterwards. You got to get them home. You got to feed them dinner. You got to bathe them. You got to make sure they get their homework done. You got to get them to bed. You got to get up and do it again the next morning all by yourself. No help whatsoever. And you and I both know there are days you don't know how you're going to do it. And there are days you don't know how you're going to make it. But see, Jesus is saying, hey, let me be your mighty God. Aren't you tired of trying to do all this on your own? Aren't you tired of trying to carry burdens that you weren't designed to carry? Let me be a mighty God for you. And then Isaiah says that he's an everlasting father. See, some of you, you don't have great thoughts about a heavenly father because you don't have great thoughts about your earthly father. Maybe he deserted you. Maybe he abandoned the family. Maybe he blew up the home, right? And maybe you just carry that with you. It's amazing. I was telling Laura the other day as I talked to adults, it's amazing how much of the baggage we have as adults goes back to our parents. And we just kind of carry that baggage with us all the way through life. And maybe because of that, you, you, you have this fear of abandonment and maybe you don't get into relationships and maybe because of that, you feel all alone. And as I said earlier, it's hard to be alone, especially around the holidays. Days are bad, nights are worse. You just want to hurry up and, and, and have it be over with. But I want you to know you have an everlasting father in Jesus Christ who wants to be a part of every moment of your life. He longs to go through each day with you. He's saying to you this weekend, you do not have to be alone because I'm a heavenly father and I'll never leave you. I'll never desert you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. And then it says that when Jesus came, he came to be the Prince of Peace. We saw it, what John said, God so loved the world that he gave his son to die on his cross to pay the debt that we couldn't pay so we could be forgiven, so we could be reconciled back into a relationship with, with the Father so that we could have eternal life with him. And this is what I want you to know. This Christmas, right now, God is offering you this free gift of salvation. He's offering you this free gift of forgiveness. He's offering you this free gift of life. Now, it's up to you whether or not you're gonna accept it. God's really a gentleman. He stands there with the gift and says, it's, it's here, it's, it's yours for the taking. Do you want it? Do you want it? It's like I was at the gas station one day and I'd gotten gas and I went in to get something. And when I was there, there was somebody in front of me and they had also gotten gas and they were trying to pay something and, and the clerk kept swiping their card. He said, it says decline. Well, swipe it again, decline. 
He says, all right. So he gave him another one. Guy swiped it. Declined. And I'm just standing there. And I know it's awkward. The clerk swiped. He says, swipe it again. Declined. So I just reached around and I gave him my card. And I said, just, 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 just put it on mine. The guy's like, oh, you can't. No, 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 you can't do that. I said, well, the other option is we can just stand here all day <laughs> while your card gets declined. That's an option. That's an option. And I think some of you, God is saying, no, 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 no. I can't take it. It's free. Somehow I got to earn it. I got to pay for it. And God said, no, it doesn't work that way. It's already paid for. Jesus paid for it. You just have to decide whether or not you're going to accept it. Now, here's the thing. If you accept it, it will change everything. Your life's not going to fall into place overnight, but I'm telling you, your wisdom, your purpose for life, where God wants to do with you and how he wants to use you in this life, it's going to begin to change immediately. But you got to accept the free gift. See? For unto us is born this day, very same message, it's never changed 2,000 years ago. For unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now let me tell you something. You may be sitting here this weekend thinking, I don't even know if I need a Savior. You need a Savior. <laughs> See? You need saving. You can't even save yourself from the day-to-day -day mundane issues of life. I can't stop biting my nails. I can't save myself from that. You can't save yourself from bad habits. You can't save yourself, right? If you can't save yourself from the day-to-day -day mundane habits of life, what in the world makes you think that you can save yourself for eternity? For unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. Now, that's the story of Christmas. And that's God's cure for the Christmas blues. And if you receive it, change everything. I want us just to bow. I'm going to close in just a second. I'm going to pray. And I want us just to be quiet, not in, not in terms of noise, but maybe setting aside the distractions of our life. You probably have a full day plan. You're thinking about where you're going to go from here and what you got to get done today. But I want you to think of it this way. God has come, God has come right down to this room that you're in right now. If you're watching online, maybe you're laying in bed or sitting at the kitchen table. God has come down right to where you are. And some of you right now, you, you have some decisions to make. And there's some incredible areas of confusion in your life. And Jesus is saying to you, hey, let me be your wonderful counselor. Let me help you with this process. Some of you are carrying burdens too large for any human to bear. Jesus is saying, let me let me be a mighty God for you. Some of you this weekend, you are alone. You know? Maybe you're single, divorced, going through a divorce. Maybe you're married, but you're, because of the way the marriage is going, you're feeling separated in your heart. God is saying to you, let me be an everlasting father. Let me just, let me just wrap my arms around you and let me, let me just love you. And some of you, you've never allowed Jesus to come into your life. You've, you've never accepted the gift of forgiveness and the gift of new life that he offers you. And he's saying to you right now, just, just let me be your prince, prince of peace. Let me just forgive you of your sins so you can be reconciled back to the Father. And then you're gonna have the peace of mind of knowing if you never see the dawn of another day, you're gonna spend all eternity with me. Just stop all the stubbornness receive the gift.
Just take it. Father, we thank you for Christmas. And Father, you know nobody loves Christmas more than I do. I love the lights, the trees, the presents. I love the parties and the getting together with friends. I love family. I love all that we do. But Father, the real message is that you sent us a Savior that can rock our world. And I pray for those this weekend that are one relationally lonely. That Father, you will fill up that void in their life. You'll just remind them of the proverb that says, he who wants friends must show himself friendly. And it may mean taking a step of faith, joining a small group or becoming a part of a serving team or doing something where they can just begin that journey of opening up and meeting people. But Father, we also pray for those this weekend who are spiritually lonely. There's no assurance, there's no hope, there's no peace. May you give them the courage to accept your gift of salvation this Christmas, today, right now. In your name we pray, amen. 